One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, covering global news every day in just 10 minutes. Yeah, today a slight change to the usual style of the pod as we hear from Hamas themselves whilst also discussing faint hope for struggling Gazans. That's the voice of Toby Gillis. I'm Rebecca Myers. Let's get started. There's a general format to The World in 10 where us presenters describe a story a Times correspondent has written, then hear their analysis of it. Today, we break that because the story is the audio we have. Yes, this morning, Times Radio conducted an interview with a spokesperson from a terrorist organisation, the body central to the crisis in the Middle East, Hamas. The war began when their members breached Israeli security, crossing the border and brutally murdering around 1,400 mostly Israeli civilians and taking around 200 more hostage. Our colleague Stig Abel, the breakfast host of Times Radio, spoke to Dr Bassem Naim, Hamas's head of political and international relations. Stig was told by his editor that he would be allowed to breach the station's no-interruptions policy to make sure that Hamas, who are a prescribed terror organisation here in the UK, did not have free reign on the airwaves and to make sure he could thoroughly interrogate their answers. Yeah, and from the off, he struggled for an admission from Hamas that they deliberately murdered innocent people. This answer was after his third attempt. I'm not here to receive uh, order or instructions. I can tell you the story didn't start on October 7th. There are civilians who are 2.3 million Palestinians killed on a daily basis. And Stig continued to struggle. And I want to hear you tell me, and I want to hear you tell me what happened to the civilians on October the 7th. I just want you to tell me if you now accept that 1,400 civilians in Israel were murdered. Unfortunately, this is your story. It is not our story. This is the story. And he pressed again with frustrating results. So it's propaganda that 1400. But, but this is not a story. I, I, this, is, this is a really fundamental point to me in this conversation. It is not a story. It is a fact. Is it not a fact that 1400 people died? You, it was done to. Stig, in fact, pressed for a clear answer on this 11 times. In the end, though, Hamas refused to take responsibility for the slaughter of civilians. Yeah, and I guess when that became clear, there was nothing else to do but move on. And so the questioning around hostages began. How many of the 200 Israeli hostages are still alive? An element of clarity this time. Unfortunately, you are talking about 200 hostages, but you are not even talking about 2.3 million slaughtered. We've already talked about 2.3 million people in Gaza. I'm asking you, uh, what is going to happen, please, to the 200 hostages currently being held by Hamas? 
First of all, we are not sure, based on what's happening now in Gaza, who is still alive or who has been killed by the Israeli killing machine. So you don't know how many and hostages you've still, you don't know how many yes. hostages you've got still alive. I have the right time to, to answer my question. How, according to my narrative. I want you to answer the questions. To, I want you to answer the questions according to so we can understand the truth. We don't know exactly who is still alive because the Israeli have bombarded everywhere, killed families. Al Qassam Brigade has announced twenty-two of the hostages are killed with our families under the rubble. Uh, the, the second issue that he announced clearly at the time the aggression is stopped. Any chance to release all the civilians? It, it will be done. Without any uh, conditions. You can watch more of that extraordinary interview at thetimes.co.uk. Meanwhile, at the time of recording, we're still awaiting confirmation that aid will get into Gaza via the Egyptian border. An agreement's been made to let some water, food and medicine in, and about 20 lorry loads are waiting there. So some faint glimmer of hope for ordinary Gazans. We thought it worth hearing what it's like for them at this most bleak time. Reporting that's coming from hospitals there gives us some sense of this. And one of the most reliable sources of that reporting is from Médecins Sans Frontières, the the international charity Doctors Without Borders. Helen Ottens-Patterson is in London running a team who are in Gaza. She told us what they're experiencing and also why a short-term border opening is, well, it's insufficient. We actually had nine to 12 months worth of stocks in Gaza and the consumption is so rapid, I think they have very little left of that stock. So you can imagine how quickly they're going through these supplies because of the situation with the borders being closed. We're not able to get any medical supplies or humanitarian aid inside. We need to have a proper humanitarian pause, humanitarian corridors. We need to be able to go into Gaza and to support the population you know, as a, as a medical organisation 24-7. Um, having a convoy of several trucks is, you know, is not enough. And with the international focus firmly on the Gaza-Egypt border, there is also concern, particularly for Israel, about the border with Lebanon to the north, where another prescribed terror group, Hezbollah, is making movements. Yeah, we've spoken about this a lot on the pod, specifically what the ramifications would be for the rest of the world if they got involved, given the group's links to Iran. And today, a worrying message from the Lebanese ambassador to the UK, Rami Mortada, when we asked how they can prevent Hezbollah, which is also a political party there, we should add, getting involved in the conflict. When tension in the region crosses a certain threshold, I don't think anyone can tell anyone what to do. It has the potential to spiral into a regional uh, conflict, and that's what we're trying to reverse. It's difficult to ask any Lebanese not to react. And no country can stand by when its territory is provoked or attacked. It's something that needs the cooperation of all the stakeholders in the region and beyond. Rarely has a story been so tough to report on, but the Times, and therefore we, will continue to do so as the crisis unfolds. Coming up, we've an incredible story of human sporting endeavour and one of um, kitchen endeavours. But first, Rebecca. First, we go to Spain. Now, travelling to another country was a luxury Andrew Malkinson could hardly have dreamed of just a few months ago. We've covered his story on the podcast before. He spent 17 years in jail for a rape that he didn't commit. Since then, the 57-year-old has travelled to the Netherlands to see a former partner and close friend, been on a road trip through France and Portugal, and is now in Spain. All sounds lovely, but the latest revelation that he's living in the latter in a tent 
broke and surviving off benefits as he has still received no compensation has shocked everyone following his story. Bear in mind, the government's described Markinson's case as a gross miscarriage of justice, and yet still he waits. Times reporter Tom Ball told us why it'll be some time yet before he gets what he's owed. In 2014, there was a, a change of the law, which meant that those who'd been exonerated now had to present to the MOJ new evidence which proved beyond all reasonable doubt that they were indeed innocent. Uh, in order for them to receive compensation. And that has now led to, to the number of wrongfully convicted people um, receiving compensation to drop significantly. Uh, and there's been cases of, of men who've, like Andrew Malcolmson, were convicted of, of rapes that they didn't commit, um, having spent years trying to get compensation. Um, there's also the route that he can go down of, of making a civil claim against the government. But again, that's, that's by no means a quick and easy process and, and could take up to two years. El Capitan, a climber's paradise in Yosemite and one of the most famous walls on Earth. Made famous to the public in the documentary Free Solo when Alex Honnold climbed it without any safety equipment and I remember watching that in 2018. El Cap is the most impressive wall on Earth. It's 3,200 feet of sheer granite. It's the center of the rock climbing universe. Obviously, I get interview questions about it all the time. Oh, would you like to do that? And you're like, yes, for sure. One of Alex's previous climbs up El Capitan, with ropes, was the fastest ever, until now. And it's been broken by, well, Rebecca, basically by a previously unheard of bloke who... Uh, just works in the national park in their search and rescue team. Yes, and fair to say the climbing community will have heard of Nick Eamon now. He broke Honnold's record by well over an hour, becoming the first to climb the route known as the Nose in under five hours. Amazing. In fact, he did it in four hours, 39 minutes. So we're going to time for another <laughs> daring dock for Alex Honnold, though, methinks. Now, Toby, I'm about to ask you a question which apparently reveals a lot about your character. How many cookbooks do you own? <laughs> Isn't that what the internet's for? Oh, no. That probably I'm, does tell you about my character. There we go. I think it's, it's actually zero. <laughs> oh, I own so many that when I actually put one on my Christmas list last year, my mum said no. <laughs> she just said no. You've got too many. But I don't own as many as our former Prime Minister, Theresa May, who apparently owns 275. Oh. All the Times food editor, Tony Turnbull, who owns 287. Madness. And he's done a great piece about what it says about you, which ones you have, which is on the website now. And Toby, I, I don't exactly know what that says about you. But... Oh, I remain an enigma. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time we left. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.